Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the first series of Help, I'm in my 20s, a career development podcast where we hear stories of young professionals in many different careers. I'm Georgie, your host and creator of this podcast. My aim is that you will hear insights into various career paths that people are taking, hear the detail of how they got to where they are now and listen to key learnings from their experiences. I'm so excited for our guest today. Today we are welcoming Stuart Tarn, service integration lead, copywriter and a colleague of mine. We both work in the airline industry we just had a tough time during the pandemic, and both of us have had periods of time on furlough. During this time, Stuart started a side project in copywriting, creating his own company called Stuart Writes Copy. You can find a link to his website in the podcast notes. Today, we're going to hear about Stuart, his work in the airline industry, his start in copywriting, and his experiences so far. I can't wait, so let's get started. Welcome, Stuart, to Help. I'm in my 20s. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I'm fine, George. Thanks for the invite. Although I'm not sure I've been in my 20s for a good few years, so <laughs> the, the name might be a little bit of a misnomer. But It's all right. You're going to help me, although I've only in my 20s for <laughs> the rest of this year. So maybe I need an update next time. Um, <laughs> so, um, so Stuart is here and we've worked together for a few years now in the airline industry. Um, this year, as the pandemic has happened, we've had a bit of a tough time in the aircraft industry, uh, airline industry, and we have both been on furlough for proportions of this year. And in that time, Stuart has been incredible, created a new opportunity for himself and done something completely new. So I'm going to hand over to you now, Stuart, to tell us what that is. Thanks, Georgie. So, yeah, as, as you said, we we went through a bit of a tough year in 2020 and I spent probably about half of that year on furlough, which was a word I hadn't even heard of until, until March of last year. Um, so I was working up to around about April, May time, and then I spent most of the summer, you know, on furlough at home, wondering what on earth to do with my life. Um, And I didn't want to come out of that period without having achieved something. So for me, it was all about um, sort of asserting a bit more control over my life. I I found it very strange that, 
you would all of a sudden be told, okay, you're not going to be working for the next few months and then be invited back to work and then you're not working again. And it just felt quite disconcerting that you, you just had no control over what you were doing. Um, so, you know, I've never had big plans of, of starting my own business or being my own boss. It was never on my career plan. I didn't even have a career plan, if you would, uh, if you could call it that. So one day I just stumbled across an advert on Facebook and I, I, I'd seen it a couple of times um, about how you can make money writing. And I was like, okay, what, what on earth is that? I, I'd never really put any thought into the fact that I could be a writer. It was a bit of a strange concept, but I clicked on the ad just to uh, curiosity really and just just to stop seeing it again um and it was a link to a, a video which i watched um and basically just talking about copywriting as a principle what it was um and that it could be a way that you can you know start up as a as a side venture something to do in your spare time a way to make extra money and it, it seemed interesting so i i downloaded this video watched it and then before you knew, know it, I was starting to take a course on how to become a copywriter and fast forward well, 10 months now. And yeah, I've set up my own business. I've got a number of clients across the world. I'm, I'm making money from it. And it, yeah, it's, it's given me some, it's given me something to do in, in my time that I've not been at work. It's incredible and amazing that you're, you've made it into such a success and able to have clients from all around the world and all of that as well. So for someone who probably doesn't know what copywriting is, how would you describe that? And it, it's one of these terms which you either have heard about it or you've never come across it at all. And a lot of people confuse it with copyright as in with, a, with an R where you protected mm -hmm. trademarks and a legal term, but it, it essentially it's it's writing which which is designed to sell or to persuade people to, to do something so mm -hmm. the emails that drop into your inbox offering sales and marketing information websites which have you know sales pages selling products social media adverts all of those are examples of copywriting so it's essentially um persuasive writing which can uh, which persuades readers to either buy to subscribe or to join something um, and essentially it, the, the job is someone who gets paid to write that. And I, I always just never really made the connection that these emails that drop into your e inbox every day, someone actually writes that. It, yeah. it, it was a strange concept. You just presume that they magically appear, but no, it, it is a job and it's a, it can be a lucrative uh, career as well because a lot, well, every company which sells a product has need for well-written copy. Um, but not every company pays for a copywriter. So often yeah. you get ineffective or or copy, which is lists a whole load of features about a product, but it doesn't really tell you how it makes your life better. And, and that is the the secret to great copy, where you you pick on people on the on the benefit a product brings rather than just what it does. So you know if you buy. So I've got a you know a Chili's water bottle here. So you know the features of it. It's a double walled insulation, but you know you don't really care about the insulation of a product. But what you do yeah. care is if you put water in it in the morning, that's ice cold. That when you go to drink it four hours later, it's still ice cold. And that's the benefit that that product brings. I don't yeah. care that it's got double walled insulation. 
makes no difference <laughs> to me. What I do care about is I've got cold drinking water. So it's just that difference between listing the features of a product versus selling the difference that product will bring to you. Oh, that was great. Thank you. I think definitely I was one of those people who with copywriting, I thought of, you know, mad men in the 60s writing out that advert. But I mean, with the internet and digital, it's just become so much more since the 60s. I'm trying to think, so, you know, 60 years ago, it's quite a long time. So much has changed. That time. Yeah, and then, really, I never, I've never actually seen that that show, so I didn't even have that as, as a, re- a frame of reference. So I really walked into it with my eyes closed. Um, but yeah, it, it's you know the number of emails that drop into your inbox, the number of ads that are on Facebook and Instagram and now Twitter. You know, it used to be copywriting was all about direct mail that got put through your letterbox or adverts in magazines or newspapers or billboards. But now the the trend is towards more electronic advertising. So things like banner ads. So when you go onto certain websites, you've got pop-up adverts with moving, flashing images, all of that. And it's all about being concise, um, fitting in the the words that will sell your product into whatever space you have and, and tailor-making what you're writing to fit the medium that you're using to sell something. So when you've got a full page broadsheet um, advert, you're going to be writing very different copy than you have uh, a, you know, a moving graphic on a website. They look very different, but the principles are the same. So you want that clear benefit to the consumer. You want a, a distinct call to action about what you want people to do after reading that advert. So mm-hmm. click here, buy now, subscribe, all of these strong doing words because people like to be told what to do. And if your advert isn't clear and doesn't give a clear call to action, then people will just scroll on past and won't and won't take the action that you need them to do. That's brilliant. And this was all completely new to you. So I had assumed that maybe you had already done a bit of copywriting before you went on to make your own company, but actually this was a completely new challenge for you. And obviously the copywriting of the course did very well because you clicked on it and you started their course, and I believe now you're actually a coach for them as well. That's right, yeah. So, you know, although it's not something I've ever done distinct, like distinctly as a copywriter, when I started to look into this and started to take the course um, that I did, it kind of made me realise that, in fact, all copywriting is, is persuading people in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I then looked back on my career in the airline industry, the number of PowerPoint presentations I'd put together to try and convince um, stakeholders to invest in a service I was promoting, all of the emails that I was sending to colleagues or, or to, to the company telling them about the new service, all of that, it, you're, you're using the same principles, but you're just not realizing that's what it is you're doing. So it's, it's all about using those transferable skills that you learn in your career and just applying them in a completely different direction. Now, the course uh, that you mentioned, so it's, it's called the Comprehensive Copywriting Academy, and it, it really is. And it, go, it went through all of these different features and how you, you know, the techniques you use, the principles of copywriting, how you apply it with different mediums. Um, but one of the best parts of this course is they have um, a Facebook group for people who are students and people post their work in there they ask for feedback and it's a very supportive group of of people just helping each other get work through the course and and 
achieve success um, and it seems I was giving my thoughts out quite frequently enough that <laughs> I was approached by the the, the, the person who, who ran the course and asked to become a coach so now I um, I started doing that just before Christmas and I offer now um, people can book me for coaching sessions um, reviewing their portfolios their websites making sure everything is up to scratch and advice and building their business and all of this stuff which I you know I hadn't known about this time last year but I'm quite an inquisitive person so I looked up a lot of this stuff things like self-assessment and how you set up a business with HMRC <laughs> yeah. and whether you're a sole trader or a limited company all of this stuff and you know no one teaches you that it's all stuff you have to find out for yourself so you know I, you know people can if they wish book me for that and I can I can help them on, on their way that's brilliant and yeah definitely a huge learning curve but going back right to the beginning so I believe you worked at the airline that we both work at for 17 years is it um scary, and you've had, yes yeah <laughs> scary for sure um but you've had quite a few different roles so would you be able to walk us through your journey Yes, yeah, so, so I, I sort of alluded to it earlier on. I never really had a, a strong career plan. I wasn't one of these people who, when asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I still don't know, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> so it was always something I, I struggled with. So I, went, I finished high school. I went to university. I did a couple of years um, studying biology. And it, I, I kind of realized I was almost done with education. I was kind of at a point where I just wanted something in my life uh, to change and do something different so I, I left uni I was working a Saturday job I went full-time there but I wasn't really earning enough money to make ends meet so I kind of started looking around as you do for other jobs and stumbled across an advert for an airline call center job I thought well, mm -hmm. that'll do that'll be a good give me six months there whilst I figure out what I want to do with my life um, and 17 years later, I'm, I'm no longer in the call center, but I you know, have worked in various jobs um, from, you know, taking calls to managing the social, me uh, social media team to working in the head office in a, in a management role. So I, I've had a, a varied career path. Um, yeah, now suddenly working from home in the, in the current reality um, until being furloughed again. So there's, there's been a lot going on in the last 17 years so I certainly haven't been bored that's for sure definitely not and one thing we kind of have spoken about before is kind of your decision making so I believe when you moved down from the north of England down to the south it was quite a quick decision uh, you could say that yes so I'm originally <laughs> from uh, Newcastle upon Tyne um, and when in in the job I was in I'd, I'd, I'd become a, a team leader in the social media team um, but looking around that role, it was kind of the progression within uh, that office was, was a bit limited. There weren't that many roles above where I was at the time. And I was, I'd been doing the role that I'd been in for about five years. So I was kind of mm -hmm. reaching that point where I was getting at your feet and looking for other challenges and other things to do. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do again. Like usual, I was knew I wanted something but not sure what um, and then one evening I was just I thought oh, I wonder if what could I do within the company which didn't mean having to leave and mm -hmm. completely change my life um, but I thought actually you know what I, I might 
give a few head office roles a try. So I started looking at what was available and sort of getting into that headspace where I'd move um, and, and take on this new challenge. So the head office is, is in London. Um, so it's a bit of a you know, 300 mile jump. Um, yeah. And I started looking at potential roles and I saw what I, I liked the look of. So I, I threw my hat into the ring and thought, well, what's the worst that could happen? Went for an interview got invited to, uh, got the job. And then I thought, oh dear, I now need to figure out how I'm going to make it work. <laughs> um, I, we just bought our flat in the, I think in the, in, moved in in the January, February of that year. And this was the August where I'd started looking around for new jobs and mm -hmm. I was starting on the following January. So I literally hadn't even <laughs> been in the flat that I just bought for a, a year and I was already thinking about having to move. So accepting a new job 300 miles away with no idea where I was going to live was a bit of a <laughs> bold decision and yeah. I like to think I'm not a big risk taker I don't feel that I am but mm -hmm. looking back I'm quite a, a risky thing to have done maybe so but potentially the right thing as well so moving yeah. moving down I, and I would hope so yeah <laughs> I hope so too um so moving down and I mean, I think you said when you took a job, it's always been for you and when we've spoken very much, I don't see a reason not to, so I'm going to do it, which I love. It's such a good attitude in terms of there's not a huge barrier. There's nothing really stopping me that can't be overcome. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what happens. I think that's such a great attitude to have. Yeah, and as I said, I've never gone into things with a, you know, in five years' time, I want to be, X or want to be you're know, doing something else but I've always been if I see an opportunity that looks interesting I, you know I'll think okay well could can I imagine myself doing that is that does it interest me does it give me enough opportunities and you know if, if those are boxes I tick then I generally say well what's the worst that could happen I don't get the role or I do it and find I don't like it okay that's fine I'll look for other things so and I think that was a kind of the, the principle I applied when I um was doing this copywriting role where you know the, the course that I, I invested in it, it was a paid course it wasn't mm -hmm. a freebie but it what it was a few hundred pounds it wasn't insignificant amount of money you know it yeah. wasn't just mm. a throwaway amount <laughs> so it was something you had to think okay is this worth what I'm paying for it um so I didn't jump in on this one I did sleep on it and think okay I'm not gonna you know just throw the money away I'm yeah I'm been furloughed I need to be careful with what I'm doing I don't know what the future is going to bring mm -hmm. but it was one of these things where on the balance of probability it was like okay well worst case I'm a few hundred pounds down mm -hmm. best case it gives me a potential uh, new opportunity I could look at it gives me skills that I can use in my career you know mm -hmm. learning to be a better writer is never going to harm your Absolutely. career prospects so it was, I couldn't really see a, a huge risk associated with it. So I was like, well, let, let's give it a go and see, see if I'm any good at it. And if I am, if I enjoy it and mm -hmm. let's see what, what it brings. And, you know, it, it's, it's been good so far. I've had no downside yet. Absolutely. So you started, was it 10 months ago um, with your own uh, company? Yeah. So I, I joined the course at the end of August. I then um, set up my my own company and launched my website at the end of October and what we're in what June now and yeah, yeah I've been going since October um, 
uh, with with the actual company. So it's it's still early days, but I've you know I've landed regular work with um, an advertising agency. I've got mm-hmm. uh, another writer who I who sends me work to do almost every week. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's been an eye opening experience, and yeah, I'm, I'm making it work. It's it's great. It's great. And then how did you get your first client? Was this before you'd created your company or was it after? How did you uh, start? It was after. So I set up my website, which mm-hmm. was, you know, we put out a website, you're not guaranteed anyone's ever going to see it. So that was kind yeah. of a safe <laughs> thing for me. I, was, I don't really mind. I think the biggest hurdle for me mentally was putting out a business page on Facebook because mm-hmm. it's, you can't you, you can't do this in private you're in your house and you're just doing this working away and no one really knows what you're doing and at the same time I still had a job and still have a job mm-hmm. you know I'm employed full-time so yeah. it's kind of like oh, you, you get a bit bit nervous when you're doing this sort of thing that you do, you're wondering who's watching mm-hmm. but um so I had this big hang-up where I was oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm quite ready um but I I did it I set up a business page I again didn't really share it very much I just set mm-hmm. it up and then I started going to Facebook groups and commenting as my business page but right. what I hadn't realized is if you're po- commenting in a public group on Facebook your friends can see uh, that comment okay. it seems <laughs> so you know my mother spotted that and then commented on my post and said what's this so oh okay <laughs> so you now know. So yeah. I, that was the kind of like the, the push I needed to be upfront and honest with everyone and, and, and promote the fact that I was now doing this. Um, yeah. And my first client is actually a friend from my, my running group, saw the mm-hmm. post. He has his own company. He does on the side. Um, so he asked me to help him with some work on his website um, and then just snowballed from there. So once, mm-hmm. I think once you get that first client landed, it's, it, it yeah. was a bit of a so big really... step and then yeah <laughs> then it just you know you, you learn from that and you grow and you land in other clients and then you just you know, it just gets bigger and, and, and better from then on absolutely it's incredible and then so ha- I think starting a new business can feel like an absolutely huge jump and something almost unattainable for lots of people but how would you describe how you actually started? It sounds like it was kind of small steps and grew and grew and grew. Yeah, it it, it does sound like a big thing, starting mm-hmm. your own business. And, you know, looking back, it didn't feel that way at all because it was just a lot of small steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, doing this course, registering with HMRC, opening yeah. a bank account, setting up a website setting up a facebook page an instagram profile you know there's so many things that you can do but what it isn't it's not like you buy my first business and you hit the button and (laughs) everything is done it's it's not it's it's just a lot of small steps taken taken in order and before you know it you've got a business and you are making money and you you know you're paying taxes and you're doing a self-assessment it it, it, yeah it all just grew from there Mm. um so it's almost like a series of dominoes all you need to do is just flick that first domino and before you know it you've you're there and you've and you've done it so if, if anyone is listening thinking oh, i'd like to launch my own business you don't think about the launch you just take the first step yeah. and then 
you look back and realize you've come quite away without even realizing it. Absolutely. Well, starting from doing a course to now paying taxes is quite a long way, I think, <laughs> to go. Yeah, I, I've I've done my self-assessment where I haven't quite hit submit yet because of the whole fear of, <laughs> oh, I hope I've got this right. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're not given a manual on how to to be a business person. Yeah. I still can't quite believe I am, but, you know, <laughs> I'll... I just need to be brave and hit the button because I've worked it all out and I've got the money to pay it. I just need to, to take that next step and, and submit it. But I've got until January and it's what June. So I've still got time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little bit of time. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll find that bravery at some point to, to set the time aside and hit that button. That's brilliant. And so one thing that I found really interesting is, and something I have as well is the fear of people knowing that you're doing something new as well. So you mentioned you were you know, suddenly your mum was commenting and on your public page and then um, then slowly people will start to know. Like, for example, I saw through, I think, LinkedIn. Um, it sounds like social media was a huge starter for you almost. So that's how you found the course. It's how you became a coach. It's how you got your first client. So do you think that your business could have got to where it is without people knowing but also um, social media as well. Um, I don't think I'd have a business if it weren't for social media, because if you think back in the day before Facebook was a thing, then the way I would have been doing this is using yellow pages and visiting places in person and ringing people up and yeah. yellow pages. Money. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> exactly. That That's how far we're going back. So, you know, it would have been, a cost to entry so your, your phone will be through the roof ringing around all of these companies trying to land business yeah but now with you know with facebook linkedin is a, is a huge um a great platform for this sort of work because people are on there as a business looking for professional help and jobs and posting opportunities and just it's it's just the new networking where you meet people and get to know about them and so the way I approach sort of finding clients and, and getting businesses is essentially it's, it's offering a service, but it's not the hard sell. It's offering the benefit that this can bring. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not ringing people up out of the blue and say, pay me, pay me, pay me. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Amy, no. it's all about, okay, looking at your website, I really think there's an opportunity here that you're not making the most of. If you were to try this, then you may find you land more yeah. customers or bring in more clients. Um, and I can help you with that if you want. And it's, it's very much offering it as a service rather than as a product that people would be paying for. So it's all about, the, again, it's the whole features versus benefits argument. I'm not selling, I can write a blog for you. I'm selling, I can attract customers through the service I can provide you. So it, it's just reframing that. And so, yeah, so for me, it, it's social media is, I spend so much of my time on there, but not just scrolling Facebook, but looking <laughs> for potential opportunities and and learning about businesses um, and using that information to really to sell myself or and my business and what I can offer people absolutely so one thing I was really interested is about pitching and essentially a a lot of it will be cold calls although by email probably not actually ringing them up yeah (laughs) Um, so how do you find that do you find it easy to do you've said that how you will find an opportunity on their website for example or from an email you've received uh, rather than saying oh I do this hire me you tell them what you can do specific to them it sounds like yeah and you know no one likes to be pitched no one likes Mm. the the spam emails dropping in their inbox (laughs) you know people are busy people have got enough work to get on with without some stranger saying you need to do this or I can do this better (laughs) than you but the way you know the course I took the way pitching is taught in that course I think is, is incredibly valuable and it's not about selling yourself it's about looking for opportunities where you can add value so my normal process if I looking to work with a, with a company or a brand is, is I start on their website and just spend some time to really absorb who they are, what they do, mm-hmm. what, what industry they're in, and then look for um, ways I can help them be better mm-hmm. um, or reach more customers or engage people better. So, for example, you sign up for a newsletter on a website and then what's the next step? So... The, the the most the most effective way of, of of sourcing new customers for a website is to is to welcome people with a welcome email once they've signed up for your newsletter so mm-hmm. if you've got someone who's willing to open up their inbox to you um, and get emails from you as a business mm-hmm. the least you can do is is say hi this is me thank you very much for giving me your email address this is what you can expect from me in terms of the sort of things I'll be sending um, and even often 
what people will offer is is an introductory discount or a timed mm -hmm. offer to to almost convert you from a casual reader of their website into a customer um, but not many companies make the most of that opportunity so they might send an automated gdpr verification tick this box and click a button and that's it mm -hmm. or how nice would it be to, to have that warm welcome so if you go into a shop and get you know the person behind the till looks up and catches your eye and then that's it you're kind of going to feel a little bit unwelcomed mm -hmm. but if you go in and you you're given some time to browse and then you ask for help and someone comes over and, and chats to you and isn't trying to sell, 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 but they're more talking about, you know, what they can offer, their, their brand, their shop, what they sell. It's a similar sort of principle. So yeah. I think that's where a lot of the work that I do comes in where I would suggest, I really think this would really help your business and really attract more customers and, and convert those website visitors into customers. And that's almost your, your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. because once you've once you've pitched that idea then often the work you end up doing it could be that idea or it could be oh actually I need this 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 you know welcome email I'll come to but I will really need your help doing an about me page on the website or mm -hmm. or an advert on Facebook so it's it's all about introducing yourself as someone who can help them and adding value and if you get a sale out of it great but it's not about dropping into someone's inbox and say give me your card details because mm. no one's got time for that no definitely not it's interesting with the emails I always think they're and you know pitching as well and kind of being that new per new person new introduction there can be probably a fear of rejection as well I wonder if you've had that and also how you've maybe managed to combat it and building your resilience yeah and you know if you're sending out emails unsolic unsolicited to businesses and asking, mm -hmm. well, showing how you can add value and help them, a lot of people either won't want to, or they're not, you know, they don't have the budget for it, or they're not interested. So the whole part of that is there will be many customers who won't ever come back to you. Um, and it is a hard thing to get your head around because when you send that very first pitch, you're like, oh, it's such a big <laughs> emotional thing to hit send and, mm. and put yourself out there um, and then you're furiously refreshing your inbox and waiting for that reply um, <laughs> but you kind of have to disengage from that because you know you offer the help people it's up to them if they take it or not um, and when you get that reply saying yes that sounds great it's it's a, a huge relief and you say yeah mm -hmm. I can do this um, so you, it is a bit of a learning curve where you do accept um that you may not land every customer that you pitch and to be honest i don't think there's enough time in the day to land every customer you wouldn't <laughs> ever get any work done um but i think one of the when that when you, when you first start in business it, it is you kind of do feel that bit of an imposter syndrome mentality where you think is am i good enough who, who am i to be offering this service or it's about showing well it's it's about showing people you can rather than telling people so mm -hmm. demonstrate how you can add value rather than in giving them a set of instructions they need to follow so uh of course you then have the problem that your your portfolio of work can be quite limited because you're, you're new in the game but once you've got that first client and then you can demonstrate what work that you've done mm -hmm. elsewhere 
which is a similar principle, um, or even just talk about the approach that you would take in their situation, showing a you know a case study of how you've helped this company make millions is not going to be a, available for many people. But what mm. you can do is say, okay, this is how I would do this. This is the approach I would adopt, um, and you should see great results from that. Is is it can be a very persuasive, um, and very convincing sales technique um, to sell your services. That's brilliant. Yeah, show me, don't tell me. Absolutely. Do you think that, so in your kind of, I guess your role in the airline industry, it's service strategy. Do you think that that has helped you um, in your new role? Uh, Yes, I definitely think it has. Um, Because the most effective copy, if you're you're a business selling to a customer or even business to business, it's there's always a customer and a, a client relationship and for me it the, so the, a lot of the work I do in the airline is, is from a customer experience perspective so mm-hmm. putting yourself in the shoes of the of the user the customer um, and the experience that they go through when they let's say when they travel and so it can be a quite a stressful situation going through security having to queue up getting searched and you know you instantly think you've got you've got something in your bag you shouldn't have and that that fear and that tension and then that relief when you're sat on board an aircraft and and you can just sit back and relax and it's about that emotional journey people go through so I adopt a very similar approach when I'm looking at um, the customer experience on a website so okay who am I as a customer age range demographic what what is the product I'm looking to buy are there any pain points that I I'm going through that this product will alleviate and then it's using that emotional journey to almost to craft the message that you use to sell whatever product that you're you're offering so it's not it's not about you know listing the features as i as i mentioned earlier it's about how that product can improve that person's life it sounds very grand but you know it, it it's recognizing the pain point that a customer has and solving it or demonstrating how you could solve it if they were to become a customer of yours mm-hmm. so using that customer experience focus has been very beneficial and just be able to put yourself in their shoes and empathize with customers to to then figure out what their biggest problem is and using that to help write how you can solve that so it's a bit of a it's kind of looking at things from both sides from, from the customer and from the business perspective and then connecting the, the two dots. Absolutely. It sounds like problem solving and making change. So for the better. That's yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things you do in this role that you're, you are solving a problem, whether that's to get more customers to sell more products, to get more subscribers to, mm-hmm. or even just to increase the brand awareness. So a lot of the copywriting you do might not be to sell anything specific but it's more about promoting the brand of whatever company you're you're working with so it's it's a problem you need to to work out and there are multiple routes you can go down but the way i normally approach it from a, a concepting phase is is you know what it is you're trying to achieve and then okay how can i get there what sort of routes could i take and mm-hmm. i normally have a boring route, a crazy route, and then one in the middle, which is probably the one I'll end up going with, where it's a, a little bit of both, but meeting in the middle mm-hmm. and not too too mad. Um, so it is, it's a very problem-solving role. Absolutely. It sounds doing like... doing it through writing. 
and Goldilocks kind of a little, little bit of this, a little bit of that, have it in the middle. It's brilliant. And hope you get it just right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so that's amazing. So thinking about the kind of practicalities of running a business, how do you, and you know, alongside um, your kind of, I guess your nine to five, and then your um, your side project, how do you balance that? How do you structure your time? Um, I've gone through a few different phases in 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 this time of, of, of working. So when I first started this, I was working full time. So mm-hmm. um, copywriting was very much an evenings and weekends um, task. And that was sort of the late summer of last year. But then um, I was put on furlough in the October. So I had um, between October and March that time off completely. So I was able okay. to sort of work um full-time essentially copywriting whilst on furlough which was a great benefit and then I started going back to work in the March um okay. part-time which so the way I was I sort of ramped up from one day a week to two days a week to three days a week eventually yeah. and it, it's just about being able to to switch the hats you're wearing and um, because what you don't want to do is let um either business suffer because you've got split focus so mm-hmm. you kind of have to compartmentalize your your brain okay today i'm in copywriting mode tomorrow i'm in airline mode and it's just trying to keep that distinction between the two yeah um but you know as a freelancer i work with a number of clients um you know all doing different things at different times with different needs so i was just able to put myself in the mindset that as I was working part-time, the airline almost became another client of mine. And mm-hmm. it's just about switching that focus, uh, turning it on, turning it off when I needed to. Um, so there's a lot of organization needed. I've got about seven different calendars I work off um, oh, and just making sure I block time out on, on each of them and, and, mm-hmm. and make sure I don't overcommit. But it, it's so far so good. I'm able to juggle the different um, requirements and deadlines, but you know, I, I work well when I've got a deadline to work towards so it mm-hmm. kind of it, it does appeal to my need for structure and order that I seem to have absolutely and then I mean you've got your your role with the airline you've got this whole new business and to top it all off you're also training for a marathon I believe oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. I just that little thing <laughs> yeah I mean because I didn't have enough to do basically yeah so yeah. hopefully well this will be a marathon in Brighton in mm-hmm. September of this okay. year, but I was meant to have run it last year. Clearly okay. that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm about two, three weeks into the training plan, but to be honest, it, it's, I, I trained throughout 2020 for various runs, which didn't happen, but it was good okay. because it gave me that something to, to do and mm-hmm. that structure and routine really helped. So when I didn't have to, get up and go into an office for nine o'clock start mm-hmm. I still got up at crazy early and went out running and so yeah it's 5 a.m alarm oh my gosh <laughs> is, is always fun um but at least yeah. it gets me up and up and at it before you know I don't spend the, the whole morning in bed so I'm, I'm still being productive I mean 5 a.m sounds very productive <laughs> especially it's very early it, it sounds it <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it you takes get a little while to, to get up to speed. <laughs> you do, you do. Um, it's just trying to ensure I go to bed early enough to make it work. And I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, it was about half eleven last night. So I'm, oh gosh, I, yeah. I need to get better at shutting down the laptop and and mm-hmm. 
getting a bit more sleep, I think. So I'm looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. It's Friday afternoon, almost there. How So you're obviously with the running, that obviously must help to keep you sane, but also keep like a more regulated mindset, keep you focused as well. I, I always found with running that it would just really focus my mind. Do you have any other tips or tools that you do to kind of really help you stay focused? Uh, I think, well, the running is, is great for me because, it, you know, when, you, when you're doing marathon running, you, you're out for, I think the shortest run I do is like 40 minutes. Right. But the longest, you know, the, the, the long runs can go up to sort of three, three and a half hours. Oh so gosh. you've got a lot of time in your own mind and with your own thoughts. So it, it is a, I get a lot of my inspiration for, for the writing projects I'm working on when I'm running because you can, you can just switch off and, and you let your mind wander obviously being careful to avoid cars and traffic and <laughs> yeah. that, that sort of thing but it, it does allow yeah. you to <laughs> it does allow you to to sort of explore some crazy ideas and then um it helps but you know I, I think just it's being able to step away from things and get some perspective um if you're focused in on a problem too much sometimes you, you're never going to bust through that whatever blocker you've got so I find just putting things down, walking away, going for a walk, going for a run, watching the TV or whatever it takes just to take your mind off it. And then coming back to things is a great way of, of renewing enthusiasm, focus. And, you know, with, with writing that I very rarely, if ever, do I submit a first draft. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the final draft I give a client is very different from what I first write. And it, it's getting you know, sleeping on it, coming back to things, you end up ripping it up and starting over or just changing the focus or switching some paragraphs around can make a, a huge difference. So often it's about you get so blinkered and focused in on something, it, it can be not being able to see the wood for the trees mm -hmm. sort of mentality. So yeah, switching off and coming back with fresh eyes is often the best way of doing it. That's so interesting. And then so kind of coming to the end of our conversation, I have a few questions just to really understand maybe how it's been at an overall level. So what would you say would be the best thing that has happened to you in the last year with copywriting? I think for me, it was being open to the possibility, well, open to the, the thought that you don't have to rely on one company, nine to five, go to work, come home from work, get paid at the end of the month. And that's mm -hmm. always been my reality and my, my parents are, are the same. Yeah. You, you have a job and you get paid for doing that job. Um, but when, you know, you're in the middle of a global pandemic and the whole world gets turned upside down, I don't think anyone would say they were secure in what they're doing. But with having this as a side venture and being a freelancer, I have a, you know, half a dozen clients that I work for. So I'm not reliant on any one person or one company yeah for my security. So ironically, a full-time <laughs> job is is not as secure as being a freelancer with no guaranteed income because you're in control of the work you do, the clients you work with, mm -hmm. even down to the amount you charge for the work you're doing. So yeah. that insecure job is actually the most secure that you can do because you can, you're not beholden to any one person or, or company mm -hmm. for your to pay your bills at the end of the month. So I think that's probably the biggest eye-opener, just to accept that that's a possibility um, rather than 
just having your traditional nine to five job. Absolutely. I wonder how different that is as well to maybe two years ago, before we even knew what coronavirus was or COVID-19. And before any of that, would you have had the same experiences? I guess it'd be impossible to know, but definitely interesting. Well, impossible to know for sure, but I can absolutely guarantee that I would not be, I would not have my own business because Mm. I, you know, when I was in that, you know, career mode, then I would look for other opportunities within a career I would not mm. have I was never thought I would have my own business I, I never had that dream of being my own boss mm. but when you have months on end of time available when you, you kind of can't go and apply for a new job because you you have a mm-hmm. job so what do you do so it, it's about finding a skill that I, I I wasn't that aware that I had turned out I had and mm. I'm good at it and that I can actually monetize that skill and it could become a new career that was not on my radar at all so I'm as surprised as as you are no doubt (laughs) that I even do this because it it took me by a bit of a shock I'm not gonna lie I think it's brilliant and then conversely maybe what's been the hardest thing that you've had to deal with um that's a good question um I think the hardest thing is just you know as I said earlier there is no manual on how to do this Mm. you're not there's no step by step it's all about finding it out for yourself um and but for me I think the hardest thing would was is knowing what to do next so Mm. I've got a, a freelancing business I've got a career I've got clients I've got you know it's about knowing what to do for the best because there's a lot of risk involved in setting up your own business. Um, and it's, you know, once you, once you've taken that step is, is where do you take it next? So what the future holds, I have no idea, especially with the way travel is and continues to be even what now 18 months after we still don't know what the future holds for yeah. for travel and the airline industry and it's it's knowing I'd, I'd love to know I'd love to be able to jump into next year and see what I'm doing and and know that everything's going to be okay because <laughs> yeah you, you just don't know so you just have to take each day as it comes and grab opportunities when they present themselves and and sometimes that that means big brave steps need to be taken but mm-hmm. yeah I'd love to know what what the the outcome is (laughs) you've just preempted my next question which was what does the future hold for you so I think we'll leave that one uh, for the side if you could tell me Georgie uh, you you worked in a research role please tell me what you think I should be doing (laughs) unfortunately I don't have a crystal ball (laughs) no but it's brilliant that is I mean yeah that is a shame (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so in terms of your key learnings and if you were to if someone was thinking okay I kind of want to develop a new skill I want to maybe try something new what advice would you give to them just do it you know (laughs) it's I am you know Red Bull uh, sorry Dr Pepper say it best you know what's the worst that could happen Mm -hmm. and you might fail you might not and I think for me, it's it's the thought of what would people think, you know, if I put myself mm-hmm. out there and say, this is me, this is what I'm doing. And what, what must they think of me? And what if it doesn't work? I'm going to look a right, a right fool. But I think one of the best lines I've, I've heard is what other people 
think of you as none of your business. And <laughs> if if friends, if you if if people are friends, true friends, then they're going to be impressed that you're doing it, not that they think that you might fail. So I'm been amazed by everyone who's found out about this has been nothing but supportive. And I think people fear the unknown a lot more than the reality of, of, of it. So, you know, obviously don't throw away your life savings on a whim, <laughs> you know, go in with your eyes wide open and do a lot of research and make sure it's for you. But, you know, if there's an opportunity there and it looks interesting, just grab it with both hands because as the last 18 months have shown, you, you don't know what's around the corner. So you may find a new career that you're, that you love doing, or you may find that it's not for you, but you, now you know. So always, you know, regret the things you have done, not the things you haven't done. Oh, what a um, great... Not normally one for great like <laughs> quotes and, and big old social media, Instagram statements with an <laughs> impressive photo on it. But, you know, those are the two sort of things I live by. What's the worst that can happen, really? So Absolutely. give it a go. Well, I think that's such a great place to end on. And I will absolutely take that advice for myself as I definitely have that fear of people knowing but as you say if they're your friends they'll be supportive and it's mostly in your head it's probably going to be positive so good luck Stuart for the future whatever that may be and um, thank you so much for being on help I'm in my 20s today my pleasure Wow, how great was that? Thank you so much to Stuart Tarn. I hope you enjoyed listening to his experiences and advice. I know I took away so much, especially overcoming that fear of people knowing about what you're doing. At the end of the day, people will be supportive of you. If you'd like to get in touch with Stuart about copywriting work or maybe his coaching, then you can find him at www.stuartwritescopy.com. And that's Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. If you like this episode, please subscribe to him or and like and comment. Maybe even share it with your network. That would be extremely appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch or be a guest in our next series, please email help.twenties.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Georgie, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Help. I'm in my 20s. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.